let's get started. And obviously the worst, you know, taking a terrible human toll, uh, but it's also going to take, a, I think, a very significant economic one in the near term and for some in the long term. So let's get into this. You're going to have a great discussion. I was on the prep call yesterday for what's coming after, and uh, I'm going to get through this as quickly as I can because the the following session is going to be phenomenal. So really, really well thought out. Thanks for, for you guys putting it together. So growth is going to slow. It's been slowing uh, for a little bit now. It's going to pick up. The emerging economies have been in a in a bit of a challenge prior to the war. Now with the war uh, going on, we're going to see actually continued slowing growth. And ironically, that slowing growth is in large part because of the inflation sanctions and supply chain problems that we're seeing today. But I think we're going to look back at this period and say this is one of those moments in history that everything changed. And we have to really think differently about how we're dealing with investments as well as the geopolitics of, of what's going on. I think this is going to be one of those periods where growth is going to be harder to come by. And you're going to be looking for uh, opportunities to grow against a backdrop of slow growth and higher inflation. So not exactly a ideal economic situation to build and protect capital, but there are opportunities which we'll touch on in a minute. Obviously, the headline inflation that includes food and energy has uh, really been spiking, and that's going to continue to remain elevated. The situation of what's going on in Europe is compounding an energy problem that was already starting because of the transition of renewables. And now with the war in uh, particularly the elements of Russia and, and uh, Ukraine in the food cycle, that's going to create even more strains. And you can see that here with uh, wheat, natural gas and oil, you can see how they've spiked up in the near term, um, you know, just from the, from the start of this year, or even from the start of the invasion, you can see the big move up. This is really a, going to be a significant issue. Bill will touch on this more later, I believe. On the core side, we're going to see higher inflation in the near term, but I think it's going to start coming down, and I think it's already starting to in some pockets as the reopening occurs and we start to get back to a shift from goods to services. I think that's still at play, but in the near term, we're going to be faced with higher inflationary pressures, and unfortunately, those pressures around energy and food are not things that the Fed can do much with or central banks can do much with. So it's putting them in a bit of a box where they need to raise rates to try and fight inflation, but some of the inflation they're trying to fight, they can't actually affect. And they're doing it at a time where oil prices, which were moving up before the war, were a reflection of a stronger economy, are now moving up because of concerns moving uh, differently because of concerns about slowing growth. So energy prices were one indicator prior to the war. They're another indicator now. And we think the indicator now is that supply chain disruptions and slowing growth are really at play here. And we're going to see this squeeze that's going to impact us. So just to take a different look about the sanctions and how it blows back to the U.S. And as we're trying to wean off of the West off Russian oil, just this chart shows you the, the three-month average retail price. The green is Houston, uh, the blue is the national average, and the red is the uh, Los Angeles, what you'd pay for a, at the pump in L.A. And you can see they're all up about 25 to 30 uh, percent in the since, you know, a couple of weeks. So big, pretty significant moves in some of these cases. 
And that's actually starting to change consumer confidence, which is actually perpetuating a slowing of consumer spending, which is actually part of what's going to offset the inflationary pressures and bring some of the core inflation down. So there's a lot of crowding out that's going on here that I think is makes this a really tricky environment. Same things going on in the UK in petrol and petrol and diesel prices. You can see a similar uh, uh, move up and that Europe is really in a bind with this. We're going to have to see. And the bind is really around the fact that we waited too long to wean off of oil and natural gas. And it was really done on a plan and a hope that renewables would be able to step up. I was a little surprised by the decommissioning or the acceleration of the decommissioning of some of the nuclear plants in Europe at right at this time where you could have delayed these working plants closings and eased some of the strain. But there are a lot of policy mistakes and short-sightedness that I think is at play here, and it's going to really create some challenges as we move forward. The sanctions have devastated the Russian economy. They were far more severe and uh, and the way that the West came together to put these sanctions on, I think, was, you know, really surprising to, to everybody. I think there's going to be some significant unintended consequences that come out of this. And I think that's going to create some challenges. But just looking at the Russian economy, I don't know how they come back from this in the near term. I think it's going to take a long time. I think the damage done from these sanctions is going to be with us for, for an extended period. I also think they're going to lead towards the way China looks at the world and how they're thinking about their role in uh, the world order and their role in the global economy, these sanctions are playing a, uh, having an impact on that because they're right now thinking, can they afford the sanctions if they stay too long with Russia or how do they play this? Because their goal is to really become uh, a dominant player in the global economy, but also as a dom dominant geopolitical player. And this is part of the dilemma that they have and how these sanctions play out, I think, is going to be really interesting. And we haven't seen all the unintended consequences. I think we were talking earlier with Greg speaking about what's going on in China and China tech stocks. I think a lot of the implications around the world are people trying to anticipate the outcome of these sanctions and the unintended consequences. And I think they're going to be high. And I think that's one of the risks that is hard to quantify in the in the market today. One of the positives for the U.S. is that the dollar has been strengthening. Uh, this is against uh, the emerging economies in blue, the world economy in green, and the advanced economies in red. And this is, means we're attracting a lot of capital back to the U.S., but for the emerging economies, one of the problems with the strengthening dollar is that commodities are traded in dollars. So if you're importing commodities, that's putting greater strains on the system, and your debts are also have high dollar debts, and they're going to be increasing the cost of servicing. All this coming at a time that food prices are rising and energy prices are rising, it puts for a, a real squeeze on certain countries and creates bigger differences between the haves and have-nots. Short-term rates are going to rise in the in the Western world. The Fed's going to announce their start of to rate increases tomorrow. The ECB has talked about rate increases as well. Unfortunately, everyone wants them to raise them a lot, but I don't think they're going to be able to because of the slowing growth. They're worried about tipping the economy into a recession. And they're also aware that some of the uh, short-term issues around inflation, particularly around food and energy, them raising rates isn't going to slow that down. It's going to create even more problems. So we think they're going to be more measured than the street is expecting. And while there's a big risk premium for a Fed misstep, I think the Fed's already made it uh, last year. 
I think what they're doing right now is going to have to be at a much more measured pace than the streets expecting. That's not a consensus view, but we would be in the, you know, three to four uh, rate increases uh, because we think the slowing is going to happen pretty quickly. On the long end, we think rates are going to be, uh, they have moved up. We think they don't have a lot to go, but they will move up. And that's going to create some squeezes with these rates moving up on uh, P multiples in the market. So from a macro perspective, things are going to get worse. They're going to get worse before they get better, but eventually they'll get better. We'll find a resolution to to what's going on in Europe and, and we'll come to a, a better spot ultimately. I think the big issue right now is the Russian economy is facing really extreme challenges and uh, I'm not sure how they get past these without a lot of help from the rest of the world. And how are they going to get that help? It can't be with the same regime. So that's going to create some problems. Recession risks are on the rise. I think that Europe is in a bad spot. I think China has a different issue. It's not as much the war as it is their own uh, challenges, whether it's the real estate market, the shifts of <clears throat> how they're playing the tech market, and some of the uh, issues that Greg raised, but I also think they're in a mode where their uh, one-child policy is still starting to weigh on them, and their longer-term prospects are challenged. And how they fit their role in the global economy and the geopolitical sense is really in question right now. Do they stay aligned with Russia? Or do they become more aligned with where most of their economic value comes from the Western world? So I think that's going to be a big challenge that uh, still to play out. I have a lot of concerns for the emerging economies, particularly those that are energy importers and commodity importers. But I also think the highly indebted nations are going to continue to suffer. And if they were behind on a healthcare side, that's another problem. I should just mention on China, the, the zero COVID policy is actually one of the things that's really disrupting the, the markets and creating more uncertainty right now because there's concern that that could run out of control and not in a great spot. The supply chain issue is a bad one because we were coming out of what we thought was going to be a reorientation of supply chains. We were getting past with the COVID, the reopening was going to ease some of the supply chain pressures. But what's going on in Europe is creating another layer of supply chain problems on top of an existing one that hasn't been resolved. But they're different supply chain issues. This isn't a port of LA issue and how fast can they unload stuff and can we get stuff out of Asia? This is a big reorientation of how governments are thinking about their national security and securing food, energy, and de defense materials and, and the commodities required to run your country and protect your country. I think that's a big change, and this is going to take longer and raise prices uh, more than we had originally thought, and I think that's going to be more persistent in those areas. I think you're doing this against a very fragile uh, geopolitical environment and China's role and where they, how they play this out is going to be fundamental to the changes that are coming. And, I, and it's not clear what side they're going to take. So for our view, P multiples be under pressure, risks are decidedly skewed to the downside and central bankers are in a tough spot because they are perceived to be behind. They are behind, but if they start raising too much, they can't afford to tip the economy into recessions. So that's a big problem. So where do you put capital to work? Before I get to this, I just want to give you some statistics from the Russell 3000. And this is as of the close on Friday. But from its 52-week high, the Russell 3000 is down about 13%. But inside its constituents is a very different story. So 63% of the Russell 3000 is down 20% or more off its 52-week high. 
A third of the Russell 3000 is down 40% or more off its 52-week high, and about 25% is down 50% or more. So there's been massive damage done inside the uh, markets already. Um, so there are opportunities to find ways to build capital. A lot of those were overhyped um, high multiple stocks that have come back in because they're multiple compression. Some of the babies have gotten thrown out with the bathwater, and we think that's where the opportunities are, is to sort through high-quality companies that have been uh, mispriced because of the uh, sharp moves you've seen in indices creating opportunities. So we still favor tech. We still favor the defense companies. But on the tech side, we're not looking at the high multiple uh, companies. You're looking at the quality growth uh, companies. Defense is going to be a continued area of spend. And what I think we've seen with the Russian challenge of uh, of their invasion is that their their defense spending, which is about $70 billion a year, was going a lot to hypersonics, to the Navy, and to uh, space programs. And that's, I think, part of the problem of supplying their people and why they're having their soldiers are having the problems they're having in a ground war. I think the U.S. is in a similar mode where we've spent down a lot of our munitions and need to modernize for for uh, ground war. But you were thinking about ground wars differently. You were thinking about the kind of guerrilla warfare in the in the Middle East as opposed to what we're seeing in Europe. So we weren't well positioned in, in the defense side for this around the world. Uh, Europe has big defense gaps that they're going to aggressively take advantage take uh, to seek to address. And Germany taking the lead on that, almost doubling their spend, is going to be a key element of that. Energy companies, both renewables and fossil fuels, are going to continue to attract capital because they're in a spot where we have a problem with this transition and people have to secure their energy supplies. Same with essential commodities uh, are going to be secured and there's going to be stockpiling by governments and by companies to uh, not be beholden to supply chain problems as you go forward. That's going to put some short-term squeeze on uh, prices, but will provide a longer-term certainty. I think that's going to be a key element. Industrial companies are that are really at the forefront of driving this. A lot of the change that's going on is going to be very fundamental. Dividend payers in a low uh, interest rate environment. While I say rates are moving up, we don't think they're going to move up all that much, particularly in the U.S. We think we're going to attract a lot of capital, which is going to push our rates back down. But this is a time to really be focused on quality and to be careful and uh, and be very measured about how you're putting money to work, whether it's in the private markets, the public markets, and any of the areas that this group's been investing in, this is an unusual time, and you have to rethink valuations in a, against a rising rate environment that I think is going to be with us for a bit of time. So, Mark, I'll stop there and open it up. Stephen, a quick question. Um, regarding the with, – with the influx of capital to the U.S. and the demand for the dollar, wouldn't that put downward pressure on interest rates? Yes, it does. But we have to raise rates anyway, so we're going to raise rates, but I think that's actually going to offset some of the challenges that, that other countries are going to have. Uh, you know, you've looked at the move up. It's been sharp in uh, in rates around the world. The German tenure was at down 70 basis points at one point. It's now – the Bund is now at like 30 basis points, up 30 basis points today. So you've had seen some big moves, which is why the bond market is – a bit of a challenge, but you will see rates move up regardless. It'll just won't move up as much, uh, Adam. I think it will suppress the in the U.S. the rate increases. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Question, Stephen, and also for everybody else on the 
on the call on the Ides of March. Uh, and thanks for the number 101. It's as good, if not better, than the first 100. So keep that up. Um, if there's any asset class you would favor over another one, uh, public markets in private markets, private equity, debt, venture, what have you, where would you put the marginal dollar and why? That's a great question. I, uh, I think it's, a, I think this is a tough environment to, uh, to make big calls on a lot of areas. Um, we're concentrated in the areas I just described. I think the U.S. public markets or public equity markets will probably do better than most markets. There'll be some that do better because they've been down so much, but for the develop, for the larger economies, I think our market will do better. I think there's a there is an issue with the sanctions and what they mean for not only the the official sanctions but the reaction to the sanctions by public companies where they're lose you know walking away from business in in Russia right now some permanently some temporarily that is creating a challenge for companies all around the world um, and I think that's the same whether it's public markets or private markets I think you got to be careful in any of those areas. Um, I think energy is going to remain elevated. Uh, the prices on energy are going to remain elevated. Uh, so you have some good opportunities in, in that market. But I think the, the food area is really, uh, tough valuations right now. So I think that's a tougher play. And I think you'll hear from Bill Deukler in a few minutes that there are some really interesting opportunities in maybe some of the private credit areas, but it's a really, you got to be careful in this environment. Uh, who's on the other side and what the implications are of these, uh, the whole mess we're in right now, Eddie, I think is creating a, a risk level that you have to move much more uh, judiciously than we did, at, you know, even three weeks ago.